the church, um, as you know, is in seasons. So Easter is a season. Easter day being the first day of the season of Easter. A season where we reflect on and contemplate and hopefully are drawn into the reality of resurrection. And um, it's, always, it's always interesting to me how quiet this day is at Bloom. I don't know if we're just tired from Holy Week and we've done this and then Easter is packed and crazy and then kind of gets quiet. And I've always found that to be interesting that we don't just run ahead and sing songs about victory and, and you know, Easter stuff. But I've, all, I've also found it comforting. Uh, there's a sweetness about the season of Easter. Kind of the anxiety of Lent is, is lifted and we're kind of in this really sweet season together. And then I, I love this story because this is the same day as Easter. So we have Mary at the tomb, we have the empty tomb, and then we have next week, which is today, that evening of Easter. So we're still in the Easter story. It's just a different tinge. Got it? And it's much like what we experience sometimes in the season of Easter, that quietness. So they're not rejoicing. They're not singing songs about the empty grave. They are in a locked room. And um, I've always thought it fascinating how the American, you know, how us as American evangelicals talk about this verse. It's kind of laced with shame and judgment, especially Thomas. I mean, we call him Doubting Thomas. I mean, the guy like has one question of faith (laughs) and we call him Doubting Thomas. I mean, I should be like Heretic Dave and Reed, I don't know what they'd call you, but, <laughs> you know, something like that. But isn't that interesting? I mean, Thomas, we, we don't know much about him, but we do know that he was a little bit reserved from the accounts in the Gospels. There's about two or three other accounts. But then he gets this name slapped on him, Doubting Thomas. Why? And then some of the, our current contemporary evangelical American commentaries are astounded that this group of disciples are locking themselves in the room. Why, why are they not proclaiming the, the resurrection? And why are they locking themselves in a the room? Surely we wouldn't do that. You know, we would go on and we wouldn't be afraid. I mean, remember who put them to death. Who put Jesus to death? It was the religious authorities. It was the structure who was very much still in existence. I mean, they're ready to squash the faith. And so these guys are up there. These women are up there, friends, disciples of Jesus. They're afraid for their lives. And also their whole world has been turned upside down. Let's think together of those times that it's hard to go back to that which we left. 
because something so drastic and so traumatic has happened. When I was younger, um, when I was in college, my grandmother died pretty early. And we had this river house that we went to and all of our family would gather. And it was home to me. And the first time that we went without her being there, just didn't feel the same, you know? And we had this disastrous ceremony of um, spreading her ashes, so um, <laughs> that didn't help. <laughs> but it didn't feel the same. I'd come back up from the river and want to tell her about where we went and what we did. She's not there. We've all had those moments, like something happened to us, a loss, change, trauma, and all of a sudden, you're in the same setting that we were, and it feels different, you know? I mean, I think some of that happened after the pandemic and after the lockdown, and I mean, everyone was so horrible to each other, not everybody. But there was enough of it going around, you know? There's times that it's hard for me to like even want to live where I live anymore, to be honest. Because I just remember the things that were said, some of the posturing, this massively unkind, fearful, collective voice that was rising. It's kind of hard to go back to like picking up your kids together at school, you know? And this, I mean, that yes, they had seen the dead raised, they'd seen the lame walk and the blind see. They'd seen people drawn into community, the kingdom of God on the earth. They'd seen outcasts brought in, people restored. I mean, they were loving life with Jesus. It's kind of hard to return to that, right? Like, how do you walk the same streets again? when you watched the elders of your community, the rabbis, the, the leaders, brutally murder your teacher, your God, you know? How do you, how do you return to that? I mean, I think this is actually very human. That they just said, I don't want to do it. I, I don't want to try. It's hard to love people right now. It's hard to, to believe that everything that Jesus told us we were. It's hard to believe that right now. Like, I just, let's just go back to that room where we were last with him where he broke bread and he gave us wine. He said to remember him, let's just do that. That's all they had bandwidth for. Do you see it? This is Easter. This is Easter evening. It's still the Easter story. It doesn't mean that Jesus did not defeat death. It doesn't mean that Jesus didn't display what resurrection looks like in the body. None of that's Gone, none of that's invalid. But this is the human response to loss, to change, 
Are you with me on that? I mean, Jesus even said, it's better for you that I leave, that I would send the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't know. They're probably like, I don't know if we really want the Holy Spirit. We'd rather have you. You know? So this is where they are. And it's okay to be here. If it wasn't that John wouldn't have included it in his last portion of his letter to you. Did you hear how many times you were addressed in this letter? I'm writing this so that you may see and you may believe. Peter in his letter says, blessed are those who have never seen Jesus, but by the filling of the Holy Spirit have come to know Christ. I mean, this is for us. And John includes this story, this very human reaction to the resurrection, to everything for us. What does Jesus do? He walks through a wall and he shows himself to be present in the midst of every emotion and anguish and confusion that was holding them. He just shows up. And in the Greek, he says a Hebrew word, shalom. And that means, may the rule and reign of God envelop you and call you into a different reality. May the reality of God's love and presence and goodness and peace swallow you up. And may you find yourself in literal, tangible peace, shalom. He says it to him. Walks through the wall. Shalom. In the midst of everything that you're holding and dealing with and questioning and wondering about, shalom. Not, what are you guys doing here? Or, ha, 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 there's people out here that need to hear. Or, why are you fearful? Or, choose joy. You know, there's nothing like that. It's just simple. May all that God is to us and all that we are held by and all that God wants for us, that perfect peace, may you just be wrapped up in it. That's his response to doubt and to sadness and grief. That's why that's in here. Because I wonder if John, knowing the religious authorities really well and how that religious mind works, that uninspired mind works, I wonder if he said, you know, maybe down the line they need to hear this because they need to know what to do with grief. They need to know what to do with confusion and doubt and questioning. And I'm going to include this because may, I would let, maybe the church would never struggle with this again, but they might have the temptation to shame each other, to come down hard, to not be present but to be judge, to not proclaim shalom but to, claim, but to proclaim condemnation. You see? So just so you know what Christ does with people in these places, here's the story. Beautiful, right? And then what does he do? Step two. Step one, proclaim shalom. 
What's step two? They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Here's step two. Again, he said, shalom. Step one, proclaim shalom. Step two, proclaim shalom. Step three, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. See, this whole movement is about to get insane. They're about to see shadows heal people. (laughs) Their shadows, not just random shadows. The shadow of Peter. (laughs) They're about to see the dead raised. They're about to see hundreds of people be healed and brought out of the chains of religion into life with Christ. I mean, they're about to see something that's never happened before. So lest you think this is all about signs and wonders and power and fire and tongues and everything that the church launches into, remember this first. The Spirit of God is about presence. There wasn't this showy thing up in that room. Jesus just said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the presence of God, the peace of God, the life of God, right? Do you see it? The Holy Spirit will fall on them again in power, in fire. But before that happens, before I ask you to do anything, I need you to know that you're loved, that you're seen, that you're held, that you're with me and I'm with you. As the Father sends me, so I send you into this world. Same thing, right? It's not a new mission. Same thing that you saw me doing, the same thing that we did together you're going to do. But first, receive the Holy Spirit. Presence before mission, right? Peace before power. See what's happening? We can't forget that. If we forget this story, the church just becomes some malformed, well, it's almost like a tumor. It's just growth, 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 growth without any connection to the body, without connection to Christ. Work. Suppress doubt, suppress pain, suppress fear, suppress sadness, and go be a good Christian. That's what we would turn into if not this reminder it says, first, shalom. Second, shalom. Third, receive the Holy Spirit. Are you with me on this? Do you see it? It's comforting. Well, then Thomas comes in, and I think he's a little ornery, like that answer. Like, they're like, we saw Jesus. And he's like, well, you know, if I, I want to, like, stick my hand in the wound where he was, cru- and I'm going to, you know, <laughs> and then, I, then I'll believe. I mean, it's kind of like, some of you aren't going to like this. I consulted uh, the, the wisdom of Instagram and learned that Thomas is probably an Enneagram 5. <laughs> uh, there you go. You know, that kind of like, get on board with this. We're all so excited. And he's like, you know, back off. <laughs> What's it going to take? Well, if I put my hand in this bloody hole, <laughs> like, that's just horrible. <laughs> like, in Jesus, then I'll believe. But, like, it's kind of this, like, blah. 
It's not a request. It's just kind of like, don't tell me what to believe. Don't tell me what to do. Like, I will figure it out for myself, right? Many of you are like this. I go there and stress. <laughs> if you don't know what the Enneagram is, sorry. I don't try not to talk about it much. But, you know, it's just that I need to have the data. I need to experience I need to research it. I need to see for myself. I'm not going to go based on this good mood that you guys are all of a sudden in. And so the next time they're meeting, again, no rebuke. He's at the table with them. They're not like, you know, we're really concerned about you. you you've strayed from your faith or whatever. Like, there's nothing like that. It's want some wine? He's with them again. Jesus, again, walks through the, through the room, through the wall, and he comes up to Thomas and he addresses that snarky remark. And he said, see what you need to see. That's beautiful. This isn't about doubting Thomas. It's about the kindness of God. There's nothing wrong with what Thomas did. Or it would have been addressed. Comes up to him and says, see what you need to see. And most people think he, that was good enough. He didn't actually have to, like, you know, do what he said he would do. <laughs> but he makes this proclamation that's really powerful. He says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus doesn't, like, shrug it off. He doesn't say, now's not the time. He receives it. He receives it. One of the first proclamations of the risen Christ It's a really beautiful, gracious story. It's really human. It's us in the midst of resurrection and Easter, right? Did this happen? This is, I, it's hard to wrap my mind around, but I'm glad we have it. John goes on to say that I'm writing this for you. I'm writing this for you, Bloom that you would believe. Not that you would like come into doctrinal alignment. <laughs> not that you would join the club, not that you would fill out a card, but that you, would, that you would know Christ the way that we have. And there's such a graciousness there too. He says, I know it's hard. I know you haven't seen. Many of us are like Thomas. Peter says again, I know, this is for those who haven't seen, but we love you. Through space and time, we love you, and we hope that by hearing this story, in conjunction with the power of the Holy Spirit, you would see Christ. You would come in whatever way that you can come. I mean, my conversion experience was a disaster. I mean, most people on staff kind of we just we talk we just kind of crashed into this reality of Christ. It, we come however we come, but we have to approach Christ in the fullness of our joy, our expectation, our hope, and our pain, our doubt, our frustration. That's why this works, because it has nothing to do with our ability to com to communicate this cleverly. Actually, in Acts, they say. This has nothing to do with us. Paul over and over again says, you know, I'm the worst 
person to be telling you this, but here's the thing I know, that you're loved, that Christ is with you, the Spirit is wanting to fill you, that you can see and experience resurrection life just as we saw in Jesus now. But we have to come fully and drop the expectations and the religion and all that, you know, that we bring to the table and just come into the mystery and let it happen. So happy Easter. May the resurrection fill you and surround you, engulf you and hold you that you would come to know as these apostles, as these prophets have prayed, you would come to know Christ and the power of the resurrection. Amen? Stand for the prayers.